Good morning. My name is Todd, and I bring you greetings from the Summit Church in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. If you say, what is the Summit Church? Um, we like to think of ourselves as a, um, a just a loving partner that has come alongside this church. And um, we have been rooting for this church since before it started. And we still do today. When I think of this church, I think of the Apostle Paul, and I hear all these great reports about what God is doing in and through this church. Um, I think the world of, of Pastor Ryan and Tricia and their kids, um, my wife and I, have Ashley, we've had a chance to, to interact and hang out with them a little bit over the years. And um, I think so much of Ryan, and, and it's an honor to be here. In fact, I've wanted to come here for some time now. Um, I, some time ago I said, you know, Pastor Ryan, um, we are your sending church, uh, as the sending pastor, I oversee local North American and international missions and church planning. I'd like to come and preach at Gospel Hope Church. And he said, Todd, I, I don't, I don't think you're ready yet to preach. Um, you know, a little bit time later, I said, you know, Pastor Ryan, I have two theology degrees. I've lived overseas. Um, I really want to come preach. And he says, Todd, I really don't think you're ready yet. Um, and so, you know, um, now I serve with um, Pastor J.D. Greer. Um, he's overseeing a large denomination. I'm coming alongside and, and wanting to send thousands to the nations. And I said, Ryan, I, you know, I, I really want to preach. And he said, you're just not ready. And I said, Ryan, what do I need to do? I'll do anything. I mean, I just want to come. I want to preach God's word. I'll come for free. And Pastor Ryan says, now you are ready to come and <laughs> preach this weekend. Some of that may be true and not true, um, but I am glad to be here, and I do oversee, um, have a chance to work with church planners uh, here in the United States and around the world, as, wrong as, as well as people who are going out and reaching their neighborhoods, and that's what we like to say is, because we believe the gospel is the hope for the whole world, thank you, brother, then we want to take it to not only the nations, but to our neighbors across the street as well. And so um, for me, this is a kind of a little bit of a homecoming. Uh, I lived in North Georgia for 13 years. I came to faith in this state, uh, in Athens, Georgia, uh, when I was 28 years old. And so I can remember that September morning when I trusted in Christ, one of the very first things that I wanted to do was to tell all of my friends about this Jesus. And so that's what it comes down to, and that's kind of what we're going to look at today, because I'm around a lot of church plants, and you guys have been around for a couple of years, and one of the biggest dangers can creep into the life of a church like this. And no, it's not atheists, it's apathy. That we can say, you know what, we get comfortable, we got a nice sized crowd here, we've got an amazing worship team, we've got a facility that we can meet in, and what happens is we hit the old cruise control on the ride of our Christian life when really what God is wanting us is to fall more in love with Jesus every single day. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. But in order to fall more in love with Jesus, we kind of have to go to a tough place. Because I don't know about you, but when I first trusted Jesus, I had nothing else to go to. My sin was so apparent. So that's what we're going to look at a little bit today. i got to be honest, I was, I was nervous because this is going to be a tough topic on this Sending Sunday. 
And I remember telling my wife kind of the passage and what I was wanting to do here with here a little bit. And my wife, Ashley, she said, Todd, listen, just stay in God's word. Don't try to, don't try to be something you're not. Don't be funny. Don't be witty. Don't be smart. Just be yourself. So with fear and trembling, what we're going to do is if you have your Bible, take it out and open it to the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. Maybe you open it up and you turn to it or you turn it on. Maybe if you're here for the very first time, I've made it easy for you. We use God's word here. This is a church that doesn't change with the tides of opinions, but stands on what God's word says. And what we're going to ask ourselves today is, on this Sending Sunday, am I all in for the mission of God? Am I all in? If you got a name like mine, I say, you know, is it about the mission of God or is it about the mission of Todd? Think of it this way. If you had breakfast this morning and you had breakfast of bacon and eggs, both the pig and the chicken contributed to your breakfast, just in different ways. The chicken made a commitment, but the pig was all in. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to say we are all in for the mission of God. Genesis chapter 6, this morning, where am I? One of the most famous stories, even my friends who are not believers know this one. Genesis chapter 6, starting in verse 5. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven, for I am sorry that I have made them. How was church this morning? Oh, it was fantastic. We had a guest speaker and he preached on God's regretting us and eternal damnation. How would we do this? He'd do it from a flood. If you know the story of Noah, you know the story of Noah's ark you know that he would do it through a flood. This was a cataclysmic flood that destroyed literally the whole earth. That's what scripture says, is that it covered the whole face of the earth. And it always amazes me with my three children, and we're at that age where they, they still like bedtime stories, and they're eight and seven and four. And it always amazes me that in their bedtime story, there's like Noah's Ark. You know, and there's the little animals and the giraffe's head sticking out of the boat and the whole nine yards. But this isn't some cute little bedtime story. This is a story of God's ter terrifying judgment, massive destruction, bodies everywhere. Plus, let's be honest, this is a guy who's stuck in a boat with a bunch of animals for a long time. You ever go to like the zoo or a park or, you know, you go to a farm, you go for like a second and one of the first things you notice instantly is the smell. This guy lived with this. But it says in verse 8, look, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now real quick, people encounter stories of God's judgment in the Bible and they, they probably say, you know what, was this necessary? I hope you're asking that question because when you have your copy of God's word, I want you to know that this is the good Lord himself speaking to you. This is not just contain a bunch of words, but this is God in the flesh. God, he is speaking to you in the, in, and he is talking and living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide a heart. So when you're reading God's word, ask yourself questions. Be an active reader. 
And say, you know what, was this necessary? Well, verse 5 tells us that God saw that every intention of the human heart was only evil continuously. Now you might be tempted to say, well, what happened after the flood? Well, sadly, Genesis chapter 8, verse 21, tells us the exact same phrase. We see actually in, this, in the book of Psalms and in Proverbs, we see in Jeremiah that it says the heart is wicked and deceitful above all else. Who can trust it? Some of you are probably live in a world where you hear, you hear all day, follow your heart, trust your heart. What does your heart say? I can tell you that the Bible says our hearts are wicked and deceitful. So it's the same thing here. But there's an interesting word play when God says he's going to destroy it. I told you I had two theology degrees. I don't remember much, but I, I was able to look this part up. There is a Hebrew word that is called mashit. Come on, say it with me, church. Mashit. A little louder. Mashit. You know, if you're not spitting on the guy in front of you, you're not saying it right. You know, mashit. There you go. Everybody's going like this right now. This is this word that means destruction. And there's a word play. If you know anything about Hebrew, it's very poetic language. And there's a, there's a word play that says sinful humans are destroying God's good creation. So a good God is going to destroy the destroyers. See, God set things in motion and man, by the sixth chapter of the Bible, had already managed to mess everything up. Does that surprise anyone for a second? Because we live with a, we live with sin and there is a holy God. And he is perfect. And if he allows one bit of imperfection, he ceases to be perfect. I kind of look at it like this, you know, because this seems, you know, kind of hardcore. On our staff is a, is a man and he's in his late 60s. He's been serving faithfully on our staff for years. And before that, he, he just was a volunteer. And he came to me and he said, you know, Todd, um, you know, I told you I've been having problems with my tongue. Well, I got, some, I got some news. I said, yeah. And he said that they found some cancer on my tongue. And he says, and there's some worse news, and that is they found it in some of my lymph nodes. And the good news is they think they can give me treatment for it, but they're going to have to attack so many other cells to wipe it out because really what's going to harm me is the treatment itself. And so right now, he's going through an aggressive form of chemo and radiation, and the doctors are confident they're going to be able to get this cancer out of him. But what they're not confident about is they're going to have to kill all the cells around him because they can't let one of these aggressive cancer cells. That's similar here. And verse 6 says that the human wickedness grieved God, it says literally, to his heart. You know, the only other time in Scripture that this word is used this way is in the book of Isaiah when it talks about the abandonment a wife feels when her husband leaves. So here he is, the God of the universe, church. You know, the one that spoke the world into being? The one who did it in six days, who created everything, who said, let there be light, and there's light, and divide the ocean from the land, and who made the stars, and not only made all of the trillions and trillions and stars, but the Bible says he named each one of them. That same God who knit us together in our mommy's wombs, who says we are fearfully and wonderfully made, do you know that he identifies with that feeling of abandonment? That's the kind of God we serve, Gospel Hope. And I know that in a crowd this size that there has got to be. There are people who are here that understand that pain. Can I tell you, our God meets you there. 
And maybe you're here for the first time. You're like, I'm not really sure what this church is about. Well, I know that this church is about showing you and walking with you with a God who not only is all-powerful and all-knowing, but is also all-loving. That's this God. Now, you might ask yourself with the story of Noah, is the solution effective? Well, short answer is no. Because Noah looks like this righteous man, but by the end of chapter 9, maybe later this afternoon, tonight, you can read, you will see that when he gets off the boat, he and his family look like an episode of the old Jerry Springer show. They have messed things up terribly. And the author, once again, will say that man's heart is only evil continually, but this story, like all Old Testament stories, points us to a greater rescuer, a greater deliverer is coming. So here is what we are going to do today. This is Sending Sunday here at Gospel Hope Church. And yes, we're going to talk about what does that look like to reach our neighbors and our nations. But church family, if I can tell you one thing, if you remember anything about me coming today, I want to remind you that there is a loving God, that he sent his son Jesus, and that even while we were still sinners, He died for us. I want us to go all the way back to the gospel, and I want us to see the gospel in the story of Noah, and then I want us to see it in our own lives today. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. Number one, here's what I wrote down. If you like to take notes, I wrote, Noah found, found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, what is what is so special about Noah? Nothing. We know he's still sinful, but it says that he simply heard the voice of God and he responded. Verse 9 tells us that he was a righteous man because he had responded to God's offer of salvation. That's it. Now, grace isn't one of those churchy words. I told you I lived in Athens, Georgia, and from the time I was 18 till I was 28, I avoided anything that even looked like Christianity. And I knew that there was this term grace, but I had no idea what it meant. Here's how I I learned it, and it made it easy for me. Grace is G-R-A-C-E. All right? I remember it this way. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. And what does that mean? That means that even though I'm a wretched, sinful human being, that there is no good in me and my heart is wicked and deceitful above all else, that I get all of the riches of the kingdom of God. I get all of his riches because of what Christ did for me on the cross. Another way we say it at our church is Jesus lived the life that I should have lived but couldn't, and he died the death that I deserved. We call the gospel, the good news is Jesus in my place. That's grace. That's God's riches at Christ's expense. Can I just tell you something? That in Jesus, when you've trusted him, that sitting here this morning, there is nothing that you did last night that's going to make God love you less. And in Jesus, whatever you sign up for here, whatever mission trip, whatever you do there, God's not going to love you more because of that. Because when God sees you, he sees his only begotten son. And he sees all his perfectness. That's what Noah found was grace in the eyes of the Lord. There's a second Second thing that Noah found, and that is Noah demonstrated God's salvation to others. 
Noah demonstrated God's salvation to others. See, Noah was chosen not only for salvation, but he was chosen to build an ark, and that ark would be a vehicle of salvation for all of those who would see and be a part of it. Now, we know that it would only end up his family that would go, but the point is that God's grace in Noah's life also became a conduit for other people. See, Noah started building, if you know the story, he starts building the ark. He starts building this ginormous boat right out in the middle of, of, let's say, like Kansas. There's no ocean nearby. There's no water coming by, but the ground's going to break forth. And he did this for years. And all these people would walk by and they would laugh. And Noah was demonstrating his faith in God by building this ark. How about number three? Noah radically changed his life because of God's grace. After this announcement, Noah could not go on as life as normal, period. I mean, could you imagine the difference it was for Noah, how he saw the world, that every person now, that what he realized was every person was heading for destruction. The house that he built wouldn't be there for long. The things that he created would soon be washed away. And everybody he knew would either be saved on that ark or destroyed in the flood. Noah's entire life changed. There's another part. Number four, Noah was thankful. Noah was thankful. Look in the text there. You'll see at the end of the story, I challenge you to go back and read the whole account. It's meant to be kind of read as one big story. But look towards the end. If you fast forward, after God sends the flood and he saves Noah's family, Noah exits the ark, and the very first thing that Noah does is give a sacrifice and thanksgiving to God. Noah has a worship service. Right there on the muddy bank. Now here's a little interesting note about Noah. Is that the first thing that Noah does, this is the first thing he does that's not in a direct response to God commanding him. In fact, if you look all the way through the story of Noah and God, God commands, Noah responds. God tells him what to do, Noah is obedient. All through the story, God commands, Noah does. God commands him to build an ark, he builds an ark. God tells him how big to make it, that's how big he makes it. God tells him when to get on and when to get off, and all of this is done. And then the first thing that Noah does when he gets onto dry land is he has a worship service to the God that saved him. Noah was thankful. By the way, in just the kind of world of division and everything, this is just not in my script, but as I was praying through this and I was, I was flying today. Y'all, I got on like a, a really early morning flight. I mean like really early. And I get it. It's morning time. Most people hadn't had a chance to get their coffee in and stuff. But, you know, I, I just listened to how some people were talking to the flight attendants. And I just thought to myself like, hey, it's early for them too. Just be thankful. I'm sorry they don't have peanuts. Yes, they have pretzels instead. It's okay. When we discovered God's grace and we realized how sinful, wretched we were, but God still loved us, Christians, how can we not but be thankful for the one that saved us? And that alone will set us apart from the entire rest of the world. Now that, look, that's Noah then and there. What about here for us today? Well, I want to keep it simple. I want to keep it exactly what we're looking at. And here's what I wrote down. Number one, gospel hope has been chosen by God's grace. Gospel hope, this church, listen to me very carefully, from somebody who's been watching you guys since before you started, 
You have been prayed for, supported, and continuously prayed for, and people are rooting you on from all over the country. There was a purpose that God had for you meeting right here, but let me just ask you this. What's so special about this church as opposed to everything else? I'm sorry, nothing. Except that each one of you who was a part of this team and a part of this church heard God calling you to be a part of it, and you responded. We believe that God and take him at his word and that we say that Jesus really did desire that none should perish. That God has us here in this neighborhood, in this part of this city, to be a light in an area that needs great hope. That's why we're here. That's why we gather together and celebrate. Because we believe that this church has just scratched the surface. And I'm going to be honest with you all, I'm at a lot of church plants. It's kind of my job. I talk with planters. I, I go and I visit other churches. And let me just tell you, as I look across this room right now, what you have in this room is super, super special. I mean, I just look around and I'm like, I don't see this at 99% of the churches that I'm at. Older people, younger people. Black, white, different backgrounds, different nationalities, all coming together. It reminds me of Revelation 5 when there is the lamb as though he has been slain and all of the people from every nation and tribe and tongue are around the throne of Jesus and they say, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and glory and honor and riches and might forever and ever, amen. Gospel hope you get a little taste of that, a little sampling of it right here every single week because God has chosen you to be a part of this church. Next time you get discouraged or you wake up in the morning and you're like, ah, I don't know if I want to be on the setup team or the worship team or I got to serve in kids again. Remember this, that God has you here for a reason and it's to be the hands and feet of Jesus and that there is somebody out there who is like the one lost sheep that is out there and that Jesus being going leaves the 99 to go after and pursue them. That's the mission of Gospel Hope Church. Number two, God's given Gospel Hope Church a very clear mission. Not only is there a purpose behind you guys being here, it is also a very clear mission. Like Noah, who was given a mission to build an ark, Jesus summarized our mission in the book of Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament. He said, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded for you. Now, at my church, we kind of look at this in three areas. Number one, we look at our families. I'm excited to see a vibrant kids' ministry. I like to call my own kids as though is my closest unreached people group. You know, we're talking about reaching the next generation. Oh, we got to reach the next generation. They're right outside and, and down to the left, I think. You want to reach the next generation? Just pour into them and start telling them about Jesus and what he did for you in your life. Oh, but Todd, I'm not good with kids. Well, then get more fun. <laughs> you were a kid once. Start pouring into them. Start with our families. Grow them up. Raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Can I tell you as a dad of three little kids, I need you guys to pour into my kids. I need you to help reinforce what I'm saying. 
because I don't want my kids turning out to be just a bunch of churchy pastor kids. I want them to be kids who fall in love with King Jesus. And when they see people of every tribe and tongue and different ages and their neighbors and their friends' kids' parents telling them about Jesus, it reinforces, and I think that's the beautiful body of Christ, using our gifts together to pour into our kids. But not just our kids, not just inside the walls of the, so, of the, of the body of Christ. What about in our neighborhoods? Our presence in this city, in this part of, of Atlanta, is not by accident. We got to be absolutely committed to this. Maybe it's we simply say, hey, what does that mean in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our schools? Someone said, well, I, I, you know, what, I don't know what ministry I should get plugged into. Can I just tell you this? Watch the news for about 10 minutes. Immigrants, refugees, maybe somebody simply take them to the DMV. I don't even like to go to that. I'd like somebody to help me. What about somebody who didn't speak the language? What about mentorship programs? We've got this little thing going on in our, so guys, let me just say this. In our city, we have a mayor who literally says, I'm an agnostic socialist. Like, that's our mayor. We're not exactly the kind of church that he would normally walk into and be very um, trusting of. Let's just say that. But because for years we've had a mentorship program going on, now we have a new campus meeting in a new school in the school district. Do you know why? Because the superintendent and the mayor called us and said, would you guys put one of your worship services in our school on the weekends? And we said, well, okay. Why do you ask? And they said, well, because what we've heard is when you guys are meeting and worshiping in this part of the area that you guys send mentors to help our students and we like to have that. Gospel Hope, the churches and schools and governments around here, they may not like our message that Jesus proclaims, but they will love the methods of Jesus, and that's caring for the least of these. And we can do this. Because like Noah, God has given us something to build, or how about the nations? The latest stat I looked up yesterday, 6,639 unreached, unengaged people groups that do not have access to the gospel. You might say, well, what, what, what do you mean by there? Well, that's the, we don't think just nations like, you know, nations like the United States, Canada, Mexico, but actually pantete ethnos is what the New Testament calls this. This is people groups. And they say there's over 6,000 of them that have no, little to no access to the gospel. Now, let me just stop and put that in context because Joseph Stalin once said, by the way, I don't usually quote Stalin in sermons, but Joseph Stalin said the death of many is a statistic, but the death of one is a tragedy. You love Jesus? You imagine what it would be like if you had never heard of him before? We take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And I don't believe that everybody here is called to go to the nations. Only probably half of you. But I do know this. Every single person here has been called with a very clear mission to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And whether that's across the street or to the ends of the earth, we are called to make disciples of all people. Because the church is the New Testament equivalent of that. Number three. 
This is just, I could not say this point very well, so I got it on the screen. I couldn't think of a, a faster way to say this, but I'm just, you can write it down. Number three, advancing God's kingdom. So making disciples, taking the good news, gospel hope to the ends of the earth. Advancing God's kingdom demands radical reorganization of my priorities. Church, we don't naturally drift, even as saved people, we don't naturally drift into saying, I'm going to live for the kingdom. There was a shirt when I was, uh, when I was an athlete. I know looking at this physique, that doesn't shock you. But at one time I was an athlete. And we used to wear these shirts that would say in big letters, team, and then little letters, me. And the principle was we would wear these shirts because we wanted to say, you know what, the team is more important than the me. Now, that's a good principle, but you think about why we had to say that to one another in the first place. Because humans, we always naturally go back to think about me first, don't we? But if we're going to be a part of the mission, we got to totally reorganize the way we are thinking about our lives. I mean, there was no God is my co-pilot bumper sticker on the back of the ark. If you have that on your car outside, take it off. <laughs> if God is your co-pilot, you're sitting in the wrong seat. Because the mission Jesus called to is not a little slight adjustment in lifestyle. If you're looking for a church that you're going to get, you know, three ways to make your marriage better or four ways to advance your careers, you're at the wrong church. Because this church, Gospel Hope Church, wants to be about the one way that's already been done for you. And I can come up here and I can stand and tell you about six ways to do this, there's three ways to do that, but there's nothing better than the one way that God made a way, and that's for you to him. And we're just going to declare that to everybody who will listen. And if they won't listen to it, well, then we're going to demonstrate it by loving our neighbors as we would love ourselves. Paul said in Romans 9 that he was in anguish every day for his brothers that they would come to know the Lord. I'm just going to be really honest. I don't wake up every morning thinking that I'm in anguish. But when I start remembering of what God did for me, y'all, I, I was a sports reporter. I got paid to watch SEC football for a living. Yes, it was an awesome job. But I also know this, that everything the world had to offer, I was tasting of. And it was like drinking salt water, trying to quench my thirst. The more thirsty I got, the more of it I tried. And I'd be on radio or TV or writing articles and had some minor celebrity status, but on the inside, my heart was rotting away. And I remember on September 24th, I remember that morning, I remember being on my knees looking for ammunition to my gun with absolutely no hope. But remembering the words of somebody who shared the gospel with me. And he said, Todd, God loves you not because you're going to get cleaned up, but God loves you right where you are. And I remember just crying out, and I said, God, if you're real, save me. And church, I can't get over that day. 
And I know that here that we say, most of us who come regularly, we would say we believe the gospel, but I'm just going to ask, does my priorities, does my lifestyle, does my checkbook, does my time match what I say with my lips? I'm not here to guilt anyone, but I'm just saying that the urgency of the mission demands so much more than us huddling up here in a little conclave and let's sing God's songs while we point around at how bad it is out there. That's not the mission. But the mission was so that we could see the salvation of Jesus extend to our college campuses and our schools and our workplaces and in our, with our neighbors and our homes and, and in the under-resourced parts of the area. And that's going to require us not necessarily leaving our job but looking at our jobs in a whole new way. Number four, last thing. You know what it means when a preacher says last thing, right? Yeah, not much. Number four, we give thanks. Gospel Hope Church, be a thankful people. Brother and sister, be a thankful person today. My wife was a server at a couple of various restaurants for years. She said the worst shift was Sunday afternoons. Because it was always the church people that came in, and they were the most demanding, the least thankful, and the worst tippers. Imagine if we were just thankful people. You know, Noah was so grateful when he got off the boat that he offered a sacrifice on his own. No one had to tell him to do that. And as I explained to you earlier, the ark really pointed beyond itself because the ark was not effective in wiping out the problem of ultimate sin, and that's the heart of us wanting to be on God's seat. You see, this story, like all Old Testament stories, it points beyond itself to Jesus. Because you see, church, listen very carefully. Jesus was the ark that we were pulled into that kept us safe from the devastating, destroying reign of God's wrath. Jesus drowned in the sea of God's wrath so that you and I could be lifted up and safely shielded. And when Noah got out of the boat, Noah commenced a whole new creation that every single one of us in this room, we came from the line of Noah. And just like Jesus, he resurrected and from the dead and he became a, ushered in a whole new creation. That's why the Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, the old has passed away and behold, he has become a new man or woman in Christ. You see, if Noah was grateful for the salvation provided by his, this ark, how much more should we be? I know that this is kind of like difficult. It's not like the, you know, it's a wonderful life sermon. But can I tell you this? What's so much better than a wonderful life sermon is the wonderful Savior who gave his life for us. This afternoon, like I can't wait to meet every single one of you. And we're going to talk about all sorts of ways that you can connect into the mission of God and what God is doing around the world. And I would just say right now, just like say to yourself, okay, I'm going to say yes. Because it feels so much better than saying no, right? But what I'm going to, more important is I want your yes to be the heart posture to say, I, yes, Lord, my, I'm going to put my yes on the table. God, you put, put it on the map. You tell me where you're going to send it. I asked the question when we started, are you all in for the mission of God? I'm going to close with a story. 
that's about a missionary named Adirion Judson. He wasn't the first American missionary. That was George Lyle, who was an African-American who left South Carolina for the Caribbean. But one of the early guys was Adirion Judson. And he was going to go be an American missionary to a place called Burma in South Asia. And I see this. The same thing happens all the time. Before he goes, he falls in love with a girl named Anne. Boy, he was smitten with Anne. He's like, I'm not going to go to South Asia without taking Anne with me. So trying to be a respectful, good guy, he goes to Anne's dad and he writes writes him a letter. And when I think about all in, this is the kind of thing I think of. This is Adariah writing to his future father-in-law. He says, sir, I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world. Whether you can consent to her departure to a heathen land and subjugate the, the hardships and sufferings of a missionary life. Sir, whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the oceans, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, to insult, to persecution, and sir, even a possibly a violent death. Sir, can you consent to all of this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you? Sir, for the sake of the perishing and immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God our Father. Sir, can you consent to all of this in the hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with a crown of righteousness that is brightened by the acclamation of praise which will resound to her Savior from the many Burmese who would be saved through your daughter. Sir, can you consent to this? Are you all in for the mission of God? Because this missionary understood that he had received grace from the Lord Jesus Christ. That it radically reorganized his priorities. That his salvation was not just so that he could have a good life and his best life now, but so that he could be a conduit so that many would come to know and fear the Lord Jesus. And when I read that, I think of my little eight-year-old girl, eight girl. Curly, blonde hair, bright blue eyes named Georgia. And do I want the nations to praise Jesus because of her life? And am I willing to give that up? So Gospel Hope Church, I tell you, I ask you today, are you all in for the mission of God? Or is this just sending Sunday just kind of like another Sunday? Remember when he saved you? Remember what it was like to live without hope? And can you not wait to tell your neighbors about this God that loves them so much? Let's pray together.